HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com. Have you ever wanted to open a restaurant, launch your own food brand, or dive into the ever-changing world of food media? Well, buckle up. Join us for Aspiration to Action, a special live podcast on Monday, June 3rd at Haven's Kitchen in Manhattan. Zara Tangora and Bretton Scott, hosts of Life's a Banquet, will lead us through tales of the good, the bad, and the transformative. Featuring Food World innovators and HRN hosts Dana Cowan, host of Speaking Broadly, Eli Sussman, host of The Line, along with his brother Max, and Allison Kane, host of In the Sauce, in conversation with Jenny Britton-Bauer. Light refreshments will be provided by Paris Gourmet, Wolfer Estate Vineyard, and Tahani. Get your tickets before they sell out by going to heritageradionetwork.org action. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the host of HRN Happy Hour, here with my co-host of the day, Hannah Forden, our program manager. Not Katie Mosman-Wadler. <laughs> Take that, Katie. Take it. We miss her, actually. <laughs> she is in Los Angeles. Hi, Katie. I hope you're enjoying the sunshine. What's that? I don't know. It is a very, very gray, chilly Thursday. I don't know how I'm supposed to work on my tan in this weather. Mm-mm. I want my money back. <laughs> but luckily, there are a lot of really delicious things that we can sip on in the studio right we now. We are in luck. We have some like lemony treats we're going to get to in just a second. Um, quick shout out to our engineer, Amanda Wang. Hello, Amanda. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Uh, we also have a new team member to introduce you to. Oscar Belkin Sessler is our latest intern on the HRN intern team, and he'll be here through the summer. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Uh, he is a Brooklyn native, but he is in school um, in the school year at, in Colorado. So we're happy to have him back in his sort of hometown. You're doing sort of. Thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> um, our special, special guest of the day is Doug Kaplan of Back Bay Roasters in Boston. Hello, Doug. Hey, guys. So happy to be here. Thanks for coming. We're going to taste through um, some of your be- beverages that you brought, and we're very excited. They have lovely blue packaging. And we also have some cocktails mixed up by the one and only <gasps> Serena Pell. Thank you very much. I'm so happy to bring them to you. You're not getting away with not being on the radio. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> um, okay, so first things first, before we get into our coffee talk, 
is we have some announcements. That was such a good Brooklyn accent. I'm so proud of you. Coffee. Thanks. Coffee. Thanks. Okay, so you may have heard my dulcet tones in the ad before this show, but we have a super, super, super fabulous event coming up on Monday, and there are still tickets left, so I just don't know what you're waiting for. Um, The title of the event is Aspiration to Action, and if you've ever wanted to launch your own food business, whether it's media, whether it's uh, packaged goods, open a restaurant, we have assembled a group of industry veterans who are also HR and host, and they're all brilliant. It's going to be amazing. There's going to be a lot of surprises during the <laughs> evening. There is going to be rosé to sip on and cider to sip on from our friends at Wolford. There's going to be a gorgeous smoked salmon spread from Paris Gourmet. And all of us are going to be there and a lot of brilliant people. So please, please, please join us. It's going to be fabulous. Um, the venue is Haven's Kitchen in Chelsea in Manhattan, which if you haven't been there, is a beautiful cafe and cooking school owned by our very own Allie Kane. Um, you don't want to miss this. So go to heritageradionetwork.org slash action to purchase tickets while they last. Yes. Uh, one more announcement we have for an out of town event that we're going to be going to for the third year in a row. It is the International Symposium on Bread. Yes. I love bread. Who doesn't? Um, so it's going to be June 12th through 14th. That's a Wednesday through a Friday at Johnson and Wales university in Charlotte, North Carolina. Unlike the past two years where it's been really more of like a, a program of discussions and, and talks, this one's going to be more hands-on this year. So there's going to be two days full of workshops and start kicking off with a keynote speech on Wednesday, the 12th. Um, so there are still some tickets for that left. If you are a baker, restaurant owner, bread aficionado, enthusiast. This is the place you want to be. It's got, there's going to be Glenn Roberts talking about heritage grains. There's going to be Peter Reinhardt who organizes it talking about, I mean, he's just like one of the best bakers in the country. So it's not to be missed. And you can go find more information um, at Eventbrite. Just search for the International Symposium on Bread. Cool. If they don't make their slogan, let's get this bread I feel like that's a missed opportunity. <laughs> we'll Get pass along bread. the message, yeah. yeah, for sure. Maybe next year. Um, I'm super, super excited, and there's going to be lots of bread to eat. And I learned about one of the coolest things ever at the first iteration of the symposium. There is a sourdough library in, I believe it's, it's in Belgium. Belgium, yeah. and like, who knew that that existed? Mm-hmm. They literally have sourdough starters from all across the world. Some are like decades if not centuries old and it's just the coolest thing ever and through the i i nerded out and did a a summary story uh, about this library from meet and three which you should check out um i don't remember what the theme of the episode was but just search for sourdough sourdough. um but you can kind of trace the path of human migration through commonalities in these sourdoughs you can see like you know similarities between sourdough in europe and sourdough in Canada because somebody's grandma brought it over in um, the gold rush. Yeah, it's super super cool. So, uh being a bread nerd is pretty much the coolest thing ever. <laughs> you heard it here first and last. Okay, now we have a few headlines to share. Is it me first? It is me first. Okay, so first up, this is a ex- episode I'm super excited about. Um 
You may have heard of the restaurant The Gray. It is built in what used to be a Greyhound bus station in Savannah, Georgia, during the segregation era. It's now one of the most critically acclaimed restaurants in the country, helmed by Mashama Bailey. Um, she sat down with uh, Korsha Wilson, host of Hungry Society, along with Jono Morisano, who is her, her business partner. And they talked about the pressures and joys of running the Gray and their newest venture, the Gray Market, and what a business partnership between a black chef and a white co-founder looks and, and really is like on a day-to-day basis. Mashama Bailey is the coolest the person ever so yeah definitely listen to that and um if you're interested in vegan eating and baking check out episode 82 of why food uh jenny and ethan sat down with brooklyn-based food writer and recipe developer and just super stylish and dresser twitter superstar and twitter queen overall great person alicia kennedy to discuss her work um, and the tension between veganism accessibility and consumption eating insects and why she's not a fan of Impossible Burgers, hot take, um, <laughs> Earth Balance, and other vegan food trends. So that is one you don't want to miss. If you want to read, follow someone who's like thoughtful about talking about veganism, she's the person to follow. Alicia Kennedy. Look her up on Twitter. Um, okay, next up. Have you ever marveled at the delicately complex beauty of a plate of Japanese food? A dish is considered well harmonized in, Jap- in Japan when it is peaceful to look at. But where does... But where does that come from? In episode 329 of A Taste of the Past, Linda Palaccio is joined by Elizabeth Ando, who has been on Japan Eats a number of times. So if you like this interview, go check her out on Japan Eats. She's an authority on Japanese food and culture, and they discuss the art and philosophy behind the Japanese tradition of, quote, eating with your eyes. And I believe Elizabeth Ando is also a Heritage Radio Network Hall of Fame honoree. So she's just an all-around VIP, so you should listen to everything she's ever done. Um, And Dana Cowan recently traveled to Japan on the subject um, to record three very special episodes of HRN on tour. She had the opportunity to taste um, regional springtime cuisine, including a blowfish dish, shabu shabu beaver, which I would love to learn more about what that means, and shojin style cooking at a Zen monastery. So don't run, but walk. Nope. Don't walk, but run. However you get there is fine. Just roll, just slide over to our uh, feed (laughs) and check out episode 246, 247, and 248 of HRN on tour to follow along Dana's journey through Japan. There's also some great pictures on our social media if you want to live vicariously. Yeah, she went to some places that I don't think are on the normal, like, tourist track. She was in, like, very rural areas. So if you want to get, like, a, a peek into Japan beyond Tokyo and Kyoto, I think that's a good starting point. Yeah, pretty much when in doubt, do whatever Dana Cowan is doing. If you can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would. <laughs> um, all right. So those are our headlines. Uh, make sure you check out all 35 of our weekly shows. We have some new shows as of about three weeks ago. So make sure you're following Natural Disasters, which is our new natural wine show. Um, opening soon with Jenny and Alex of Tillit. They're walking you through the steps of opening your own restaurant um, with new interviews every week tackling a new subject um and then what am i forgetting bushwick podcast yes which is amazing it's about our home borough of bushwick hosted by luke griffin who is just a fabulous human being and he profiles um different people within the bushwick community so whether they're business owners or political leaders um it's a really really beautiful mode of storytelling and it'll invite you into 
our home. And I like that this week his um, topic of the podcast is garbage, which, as we know in New York, this is the time of year when garbage really starts to become a problem. So check that out. You've learned something new. Maybe disgusting, but probably helpful to your life. Um, and then we have a new, another new show coming out um, in just a couple weeks called Queer the Table, which is going to be an, uh, talking about the joyful, messy, radical magic of LGBTQ plus food. So we're super stoked about that show. Our lineup is incredible. Growing and changing in awesome ways. Um, all right. So back to our guest of honor, Doug. Um, Doug, tell us, you have an interesting journey to opening a coffee or starting a coffee business. Correct. What were you doing before and what led you to get into the world of coffee roasting? It's a great question. It's a definitely an interesting path into it. We launched an innovative food startup up in Boston called Leanbox, which delivers fresh, healthy food to office, corporate offices around the Boston area, um, from Maine down to Connecticut. And we were getting a ton of requests for different services added on to the office, most notably coffee. And so we made the jump and the big decision to build out our own large-scale coffee roastery and cold brew coffee brewery. This is about two, year, two years ago, right, when cold brew was kind of becoming like a big thing. Um, it already was here in New York, but still making its way up to Boston. And um, because the response was so positive in offices to the cold brew coffee that we made, we decided to roll it out um, into grocery with mm. a CPG product. Um, what was it about coffee when you're coming at it from of a perspective from like a food delivery service? Why was coffee kind of like a big jump to take in a different sort of area to venture into? Another great question. So, I don't know how much you know about the office coffee scene, um, but a lot of Do it... Do tell. I'm going to dive deep into it right Let's now. Let's go. Let's nerd out on <laughs> office coffee. Um, so office coffee, a lot of companies essentially are buying coffee equipment, buying roasted coffee from a roaster, repack repackaging that together, and then selling it to offices and delivering it, you know, a pretty steep markup. Yeah. We wanted to buck that trend by doing everything in-house. So we already had the distribution chain in place because we were already in these offices three days a week. So it was not going to be any sort of added distribution cost or delivery cost for us. And so we could capture the whole margin and deliver a really high quality, fresh product at a much you know more reasonable price point um, than some of the other guys were charging. And why, why is there such a high markup specifically with like office coffee? That's kind of surprising to me. It is surprising. Because it's bulk, right? It's a form of bulk coffee. Um, well, offices, a lot of offices are on like K-cups, um, oh, okay. which is actually like surprisingly expensive. If you do the math, it's like 50 cents a cup to a dollar a cup, which it's a lot uh, of waste and a lot of waste and a lot of waste. Yeah. Um, they've, you know, they've tried to come up with different ways to make it biodegradable yeah. or recyclable, yeah. whatever it may be. I don't think they're fully there yet. Um, but, but yeah, so kind of when we were thinking about it, we were looking at other price points and, you know, people are marking up because they're buying it at a premium from mm -hmm. some of these larger roasters. Uh, and then they need to make their typical margins that they're, you know, charging to the offices and the other items that they're delivering. So right. to maintain them, you know, they needed to charge a higher price point. Whereas because we're already there, we are able to be much more competitive. And so then what was the transition like from just simply kind of doing that market in the, in the offices? How did you transition that into more consumer focused and moving into grocery stores? It was definitely a big change and a big transition. Um, none of us had a background in you know traditional CPG products or um, or even like food service for that matter. 
so it was a lot of a lot of learning on our end, a lot of um, kind of just like outreach and figuring out and you know figuring things out as we go. We like to use the term you know building the plane mid-flight. <laughs> it was kind of like that. Um, we're you know we like to hustle. We're kind of relentless in our outreach, and that's kind of how it all came together. Oscar, do you have a question? Yeah, what's CPG? I'm just sure other people don't know what that is. I, I know, know. it's a super industry term. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> it's uh, consumer packaged goods. Okay. So like anything that you can buy in a grocery store, pretty much. Gotcha. Yeah. So like what we're looking at on the table right now, these are plastic bottles of cold brew. Um, these would be like CPG. And so on that note, let's talk about like what's in what's in front of us on the table. Kudo points to Oscar, the intern, for a great question. A plus. <laughs> he passes. <laughs> he's actually going to grab the box that we had brought to the bar. Oh, great. great. So he's the grabbing box. The, the box right now. Yeah, oh. Here we ah. go. So we wanted to Is show that you this. Boxed coffee. No, it's coffee. It's I, a beautiful box. Yeah, I really love your packaging. I, it's so elegant. Can I appreciate you that. talk to us about what, what your inspiration was? Well, I'm glad that you brought that up, Hannah, because that's another big differentiator with us. When we were launching our company, um, you know, we were big fans of a lot of the different cold brew companies out there. Um, but we felt that they weren't super approachable from, from a consumer standpoint. A lot of them use very dark branding, mm-hmm. um, very um, like hipster branding and, and logos and words. And that didn't that wasn't really approachable to us. And so we wanted to create a product that was, you know, much more approachable to your mainstream consumer. We were almost a little bit intimidated by the specialty third wave of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we went to the drawing board for what we wanted our brand to look like. We wanted to have a little bit more fun with it, use some light colors, like pastel colors, use some names from, we're up in Boston. So we wanted to use some names that resonate up in Boston. Um, what are some of the names? I love the names. <laughs> so Beacon Black um, if you're not from Boston, Beacon, it, Beacon Street is a street that goes all the way through Back Bay, uh, which is right where our, our office is. Uh, the Commonwealth is, uh, you know, kind of an homage to Massachusetts, which is the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And then the Harbor Side um, is actually, uh, you know, from downtown Boston, the Harbor Side. And it's tea. That's tea, yeah. Is there any sort of connection between, like, the tea party and the harbor and the name, <laughs> or am I stretching that too far? You're stretching a little bit far. Okay. We thought about calling it the Boston Tea Party, but we were we we're uh, we're not dads yet, so we yeah. can't make dad jokes like that. <laughs> we're big Something fans of dad jokes to. on this show. Yeah. I made so one a little earlier. Keep them coming. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, maybe so we have some cocktails too. So yes. maybe that's the tea party. I like that. There you go. Oh, well, up in Boston, we call it a patty. A pie. We're having a teapot. Coffee talk and teapot. Yeah. Uh, so what? Tell us about the cocktails. So these cocktails. So um, you know, obviously, a lot of late night uh, work goes into building a company. And yeah. what better time to do research than you know after five p.m. So that's kind of where these cocktails that we came up with came out of. We have our Harbor Palmer, which is mm-hmm. uh, our Harborside mixed with um, vodka and fresh lemon juice, which is very tasty and refreshing. I wish we had some sunshine to enjoy it. Um, It's almost tricking me into thinking it's sunny out because it's it's so such a bright, tasty drink. And I've heard that it could potentially make you a little tan if you drink it. Get out of here. I think you should take a sip. And then (laughs) this is our Marlboro Street Martini, um, Ah. which... This is a little bit of a different recipe because we didn't have Kahlua on hand. What's the recipe again? This is the 
Beacon Black with banana liqueur. That's so and good. And a macadamia nut syrup. Divine. Wow. I want to make like an affogato with this. Oh, it's so good. Ooh. It's a good idea. Just want to say for my fellow banana haters, this is delicious. I also am not a huge banana fan, but yeah, this is really, really good. It's a bold statement, banana hating. Had to say it. I thought yeah. banana is like a staple of every diet. Texture. Texture. Yeah. I just yeah. take another yeah. taste. Yeah, so what do you, you guys like all the, all the drinks? Oh, yeah. This, and they all feel like really good, like summery drinks. Like yeah. they're mm-hmm. they're lighter cocktails. You could sip on a few of them. Um, it's not. It has coffee and tea in it, so it's going to make you not feel sluggish. It's perfect for day drinking because yeah. you there get you a go. little up and you get a little. Buzz. You just stay even keeled. Yeah, that's exactly. what. And that's what we're really all about as a company too. Um, we just were this past weekend on Nantucket for Fagawi. Which, if you don't know, is a large boat race to uh, from Hyannis on Cape Cod to Nantucket. What kind and, of boats are we talking? Um, sailboats. Sailboats. Yeah, Ooh. it wouldn't be very. That's well, I so guess it New could England. be interesting if they had like motorboats, but it's a little bit more exciting when it's. But sailboats. like bigger sailboats, not like the, not like a regatta type of boat, right? No, no, like big sailboats. Uh. Yeah, with like ten person squads. That's cool. So fun. Yeah, and it was awesome. We got a really positive response to all of our products. We gave away over two thousand bottles. We gave away a bunch of scrunchies which are back in i've i've heard you are so on trend and i'm very impressed yes wow i should have brought some but we literally gave them can all you work. please get us some scrunchies we'll send you some oh scrunchies my are my gosh. summer style yeah. my yeah. hair is just long enough now that i can actually rock a scrunchie right. scrunchies we're coming to hr we will be uh, repping you all summer it's so yeah. on point uh jenny's Gen- <laughs> from jenny's ice cream she just did a scrunchie collaboration oh really yeah <laughs> it's the real thing i'm impressed and then uh yeah so we're like i was saying we're all about you know, living the lifestyle, getting out to the beach in the summer, yeah. going up to the mountains, um, hiking or skiing or whatever it may be. Um, we, you know, designed our products to, to get out. So we have a bunch of different grab and go products in the single serve format that you can throw in your bag um, for your day trip. Mm-hmm. We also have our refrigerator ready tap box, which we can talk more about, which is essentially, um, you know, if you're at your apartment in the city, a week's worth of coffee. If you're going away for the weekend to a ski cabin, you know, it's perfect for your your whole group, your whole family um, up in the mountains. So I want to back up a little bit and talk a little bit more about chronology of kind of how how you ended up with cold brew because you also do sell like roasted whole beans. Correct, yeah. Was that what came first or did you know that cold brew was going to be kind of like this, the flagship product? We we knew cold, that cold brew was going to be the flagship product okay. because the, the roasted coffee market is just so saturated. Mm-hmm. There's so many companies that are doing it. And we thought that we could really differentiate ourselves uh, with cold brew. Awesome. And so w- then with that, what are some of the challenges involved with cold brew production that you don't have with just the beans? Because yeah. you just put the, I mean, not to oversimplify, but like the beans just go straight into the bag and just go to the consumer. But yeah. cold brew is a whole other process. So one of the reasons also, just to kind of bring it back to the last point about why we decided on cold brew is that not a lot of people actually brew cold brew mm-hmm. um there's a lot of co-packing that happens which is where you know other people are making products and we saw a big opportunity to vertically integrate and you know be a be a provider that did everything from source green coffee direct from farms around the world to import them into the states roast brew package all under one roof mm-hmm. and that way kind of create the highest quality product that we could possibly make because we have full uh chain of command over the product its entire life wow that's really impressive yeah 
Um, and the the cold brewing is a lot. Uh, it's a lot. It's a very different skill set than roasting. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a lot more time, and because of that, you need to be very precise. Um, you know, it's typically anywhere from an eighteen to twenty four hour brew. So there's not really if you mess something up in the brew, then you kind of have to start all over, which really sucks. So um, we've done a lot of research in cold brewing. Um, if you walk through our facility, it looks very similar to any sort of craft beer brewery, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny because we're actually competing with them for tanks. Really? And it's like the highly competitive uh, like seconds market for used beer tanks. <laughs> oh, so you, you brew the cold brew in a huge... I don't know what those mash are. tun, yep. And a mash tun. Yeah. yeah. So you're using equipment wow. that is built for breweries. Exactly. And like repurposing it. Correct. It is do you think there's a marketplace for someone to make equipment that is more suited to cold brewing or like you totally content using the mash tuns? So there's been some guys that are, you know, trying to make pushes in that in that space. Um we found that the beer equipment works really well for cold brewing. Um <laughs> and allows us to to brew a ton of coffee. So yeah. right now we're brewing about 10,000 gallons a day, which is a ton of coffee. It's a little bit different than beer brewing because in beer brewing, as you guys know, there's a fermentation process mm-hmm. um, and then lagering. It takes a lot longer. Whereas as soon as our product is done, it needs to go into some sort of packaging. Um, you can't just like let it sit and hang out. Otherwise, things like bacteria will grow right. or mold or whatever. Um, and so because of that, uh, our capacity is quite big with a... You know, not like a massive Budweiser type brewery. <laughs> right. Okay. But that makes me think of something. So there's obviously, we you know, there's kombucha. There's fer- like s- fermented tea. And I don't know if you've ever thought about doing that. But what about like, are there any sort of like fermentations you could do with coffee? Have you experimented with I've, that? I've not experimented with it. Um, I may have drinking fermented coffee by accident. <laughs> <laughs> and was it good? It was not good. <laughs> okay, well, that answers that question. Um, no, I think there are people that are trying to do some sort of like kombucha coffee Interesting. hybrid. I've never um, thought about that until it, you just said it. It doesn't sound super appealing to me. Yeah. Um, that being said, I'm a big fan of kombucha and we love, you know, one of our products is tea and we love that space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I've gotten a really good response on our harvest side. And um, we were out as a team in California in the spring and ran into something called hard kombucha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've Which, had that on tap here before. Oh, really? Yeah. There's a company out there called Juneshine that we're big fans of. Uh-huh. Isn't it called Kombrucha? Yeah, Kombrucha. Yeah, they're, they're, the, they're the East Coast guys. Dude. Yep. <laughs> Funny name. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, dad joke <laughs> name. Um, and so, yeah, I think, you know, we're interested in exploring the tea space and the kombucha space. Um, Very cool. Fun. Yeah. Um, let's take a really quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about um, the cold brew and Boston and all, all the good things. So we'll be right back. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Korsha Wilson, and I'm the host of A Hungry Society here on HRN. A Hungry Society focuses on highlighting dope people doing amazing work in food, and we talk about how we can make the culinary world a more diverse and inclusive space. You can join the conversation by checking out A Hungry Society wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. My name is Brandon Boyd, co-owner of Roberta's, a super-duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, very 
very, very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage. Thank you, Roberta's. Um, we are back with Doug, Ka- Doug Kaplan of Back Bay Roasters. Is that, that That's the right name, Back Bay Roasters. I keep wanting to say coffee. That's the name, Back Bay Roasters. Got it. We make a lot of coffee. We've had cocktails and coffee, and we're just all over the place. Well, Hannah said she skipped her afternoon coffee for us, which is... She I did. I was big. saving myself. Yeah, I liked that a lot. Um, can we talk a little bit about sourcing, like how you source your beans and um, kind of like how challenging that is? It's obviously you have to go beyond the borders of our country to find the beans you're going to roast. Yes. So coffee is... Um, you know, grown all over the world. So like you were saying, we need to go all over the, all over the earth to source it. <laughs> um, it's grown in a very specific region in terms of altitude and geography. And we have a sourcing team that goes direct to the farms and develops relationships with the farms that we work with. So the beans that are in the cold brews that we're drinking right now are actually from Guatemala, Rwanda, and Brazil. Um, and some have, you know, some of the farms have an interesting story like Guatemala is a really um, cool way that we were introduced to the farm. Um, on the lean box side of our business, the VP of operations is going to Babson Business School. Randomly, someone in his class, uh, his family owned several different farms in Guatemala that grew coffee. And they didn't really do anything with them. And they were looking for a way to get them into the States and into you know, production. And so we helped him um, by you know bringing his coffees into the States. And um, now he's growing his business too. And we're using his awesome coffees in our cold brew. Nice. It's a big piece of our cold brew. I'm curious, are there certain varieties of coffee or certain regions or certain characteristics that you look for for cold brew versus traditionally brewed coffee? Because I, I know like the flavor profile is a little bit different and the way the temperature interacts. So what are yeah. you looking for for cold brew? Yeah, so we, with our cold brew, we always go for a little bit more of like a chocolate finish, um, which is why we use the beans uh, from the countries that I mentioned. Um, some of the African coffees, like your Ethiopians, your Kenyas, give a little bit more fruitiness and acidity mm-hmm. in the in both the hot coffee and the cold brew coffee, which um, you know on certain days is is awesome. But we wanted really we really wanted to create more of like a sessionable cold brew to use like the beer term, like mm-hmm. a cold it's brew. A good term. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Sam Adams calls it like crushable. Mm-hmm. Um, we like the term crushable too. Yeah. yeah. We're contemplating having an event called Crushable. You definitely stay should. tuned. We'll call you well, again, for the coffee component. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of what we were going for. So um, a lot of research has gone into the products that we make, um, and you know, honing in on on the exact flavor palette that we want. And then, you know, the base of the Commonwealth, which is our vanilla latte, is a little bit different. We actually use a pretty strong concentrate to make mm-hmm. that, um, which is uh, you know, brewed totally cold again, and then we you know dilute it with milk, and then give some nice vanilla flavoring into it. One of the big differentiators with our whole our whole process and our whole company is that everything that we do is entirely cold chain. So, from uh, from the moment that it starts brewing to the moment that uh, you crack open a bottle or our tap box and pour out your glass, it's been cold its whole life. So we like to say that we're the only you know one of the only true cold brew coffee companies in the U.S. because um, unlike a lot of other coffee companies that have recently gone shelf stable, um, which is you know heating a product to 200 plus degrees for several seconds, which really kills a lot of the flavor in the product, which is why guys mask it with um, a lot of sugar, a lot of dairy, a lot of flavor, because it gives off a really burnt taste with coffee. Um, We use high pressure processing, which is a totally cold chain of extending our shelf life, 
without introducing any heat. Um, I know I'm getting a little nerdy here. But no, no, we love it. I love this part of it. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, I mean, that's unique. And and beyond just like flavor, why is that so important to like the coffee process itself? We like to say it's it's brewed the hard way, not to, not to steal from Budweiser again. But <laughs> um, it's, you know, distribution is really challenging, um, especially cold chain distribution. But we felt that the product just takes such a quality hit um, when you're heating it like that, that... Uh, it wasn't worth it to go down that path. And, um, you know, furthermore, especially um, with a fresh product, we just felt like we were giving our, our consumers the best possible product in the market, which is, at the end of the day, what we wanted to do. Um, and we wanted to manage that whole process. Well, talk to us a little bit about the two very beautiful boxes that we received in our office today. So yes. we were lucky enough to get our own shipment of Back Bay coffee to our office. So now we have a stash ready. So we'll be much more alert this coming week. Um, so, But it, it came cold. It came refrigerated. So talk to us about that and like what your process is like for making sure that it stays cold until it reaches the consumer's hands. So that's a very, that's a very tricky piece of the business. Um, and it's taken a while to figure out it's, uh, a lot of companies went shell stable because it's very easy to ship things without refrigeration. You know, anyone can do that. Yeah. Um, we had to figure out a, a network with a local company who manages, um, they actually are in a very interesting business. They, they do a lot of third party fulfillment for candy companies, which is all, um, heat sensitive mm -hmm. because chocolate and candies can melt. Um, so I didn't even realize that they were shipped cold. And so we started a partnership with them and uh, they have a full food safety and QA team in house that helped us design uh, dry ice packaging to be able to ship cold. And then do you actually handle the shipping like out of your facilities or do they handle they, the packaging and distribution? That's another benefit is that they handle that nice. packing. That's so lovely. Yeah. Which, you know, as you scale up, it has become originally we were fulfilling in house. Um, but there's a reason why there's third party fulfillment centers because there's a lot of infrastructure that goes into that. Totally. And then can people anywhere in the U.S. get caught your coffee, your cold brew shipped to them? So right now we're just within a two-day shipping radius of Boston. So it goes out to Chicago, all the way down to South Carolina, all the way southwest to Tennessee. Mm -hmm. um, and then we'll quickly be expanding in the fall to um, cover about 98% of the country with two-day shipping. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. Which um, is great. And the the bag and box, which we call our refrigerator, right? Refrigerator ready tap box um, is perfect for, you know, home delivery or office delivery because it is just such an effective and, uh, you know, great way to, to serve cold brew in, in that format. So if I, I was someone who last summer was trying to just like make cold brew in my French press, <laughs> which works okay. Yeah, I've been there, done that. But the downside unless you have two French presses, it's like you really only can do the brew for like, you know, 12 hours. Cause I'm, I'm not remembering to do it in the morning. I'm doing it like the night before and it's okay. Um, so why, why is it like a better option to go with one of these boxes than to try to make your own cold brew to keep in your refrigerator? It never tastes the same. It's, it never tastes the same. I've tried That's so one many reason, times. Yes. Yeah. There's a lot, of, there's a lot of reasons. So <laughs> like you're, like you're saying cold brew or even iced coffee for that matter at the home is, quite the hassle yeah um with cold brew you know grinds are getting everywhere you got to figure out a way to filter it um you were using your french press which is a somewhat effective method but it's okay there's no way to like agitate it while it's brewing or right. um there's no real quality control um the other thing is that 
you know, it's still, you're still paying a lot for the coffee. And so we've developed this refrigerator tap box to be, you know, make you basically like cost neutral. Yeah. Um, so we're, if you buy this online, it's right now at fifteen ninety nine if you buy a single unit, but you can actually subscribe and save and get it at $14 a unit. Oh, wow. and how many like servings is that? Um, it's roughly 17 servings. So wow. it's 101 ounces of fresh, true, like never heated cold brew coffee. And when you order online, can you just get one box at a time or could you like buy two at a time? So you can just get one at a time, um, but the subscribe and save allows you to get multiple boxes at a time. Cool. We get 120 day shelf life on this product. So you can even after your... you open it or yeah, you... it's good for the full shelf life. Wow. Um, and the cool thing about it is, you know, it fits right in your refrigerator. It's got a nice little spigot. So you don't even need to deal with any sort of brewing, any sort of, you know, opening up bottles is really challenging sometimes. So this gives you the ability just to pour right off. It gives you kind of like draft uh, cold brew right in your house. This has really become a problem solving session for me because I'm going to stop my uh, regular coffee subscription. Shout out to Counterculture, who I also love. Out right, of. That's for the colder months. Though. But like, I'm going to pause it. I'm doing this for the summer. So sold. Sold. <laughs> Sold. Can we hire you as a spokesperson? Absolutely. <laughs> Literally. If I get anytime. paid in coffee, I'm happy. Coffee. <laughs> um, what else? Have, yeah, we've talked about sourcing to production to shipping, oh, how, how about, you can get it. Yeah, how about where people can get it, like, in person? Do Let's tell. do it. So we we have a very exciting spring and summer season. We launched with Stop and Shop. Um, Stop and Shop. <laughs> You scared me there for a second. Um, we launched with Stop and Shop, and we're launching with ShopRite in the next couple of weeks, which is incredibly exciting for us. Um, now people can actually go to the stores and buy our products off the shelves, which is an unbelievable experience. Um, I was telling a story a couple of weeks ago, the first time that I actually went and bought the cold brew for myself. It was, uh, you know, like a little bit of a tear came to my eye just because so much hard work has gone into these products and honing them and and, you know, building the facility out creating the branding, creating the relationships that allowed us to get the product out on the shelves and then finally, you know, supporting it and getting it onto the shelves. Um, and so we, we couldn't be more thrilled to have our products available for consumers to buy both in store and online. Um, we think it's important to support our, you know, retailers that have actual stores as well, um, which is why we're doing a lot of work with Stop and Shop. We're going to be doing samplings at their stores throughout the summer, same with ShopRite, and then uh, targeted to launch at a bunch of different retailers this fall as well. Nice. Amazing. Um, I had a question and now I forgot it. Any other questions? Thoughts? Concerns? Oscar, what do you Oscar think about the, the cold brew? Oh, I love it. I'm really enjoying it. I'm also I'm new to the coffee game, I must admit. I really started drinking coffee earlier this year. But uh, within that time, I've attempted to make iced coffee and failed. Um, so Fail. Right. This is perfect for me. Where can I get it in New York? We so, have stop and shops here. We do. We have stop and shops here. Um, yeah, there's one um, by Atlantic Mall. There we go. Yep. We just All launched right. a pilot in a couple of stores with Just Salad in oh, Manhattan. Yeah. Nice. Um, you can find the stores that we're in online. We're really excited to be partnering with them. Um, the, you know, their restaurants are awesome. They get a ton of people, and so we're really excited to be partnering with them. Um, when you were saying that you're a new coffee drinker, it actually made me think. The other beauty of this, not to sound like a uh, snake oil sales. But the other beauty of this tap box is that the reason that we only have it in black cold brew coffee is because every one of us, you know, drinks coffee differently. Yeah. Whether you like with oat milk, soy milk, almond milk, um, hemp milk, whatever. We can name 20 milks. Um, regular dairy. 
this gives you the ability to make it exactly how you want it. Yeah. Um, so you don't have to really, you know, it takes the guesswork out of it. Mm-hmm. You can make it if you want oat milk with a little bit of sugar um, over ice. It gives you the ability and the flexibility to, to do that. Everybody can be happy. Totally. And I have to say for the the Commonwealth, which is your vanilla latte version, like I'm, I am a, a classic New Yorker. I like my coffee regular, milk and two sugars. But I don't usually go for flavor, but it's very subtle and nice. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, how do you get that non-artificial flavor? Because it's really good. Well, it starts off with really high-quality cold brew coffee. Well, I mean, of course. And then um, when we looked at developing our single-serve products, most people don't drink black coffee like what we were talking about. Yeah. So we wanted to develop different products in the single-serve format that people would just grab and drink on the go, which is the whole purpose of a single serve product, right? You're not going to take a black cold brew coffee and then pour a little bit out, pour milk into it, and then put ice in your bottle. It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. So the, we wanted to develop kind of the adult version of the of the um, you know standard like single serve product. So the, the frappuccinos of the world in the bottle have so much sugar, um, it's insane. And so when we developed the Commonwealth, we wanted to start off with a really high quality cold brew coffee concentrate dilute it down with some natural milk and then um, just sweeten it with a little bit of pure cane sugar and some natural vanilla flavoring. Um, And then the harbor side is kind of a similar, if you look at the nutritional panel, there's not a lot of sugar in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really just cold brew black tea with fresh lemon juice and a tiny, tiny bit of pure cane sugar as well. Um, So not in your face. We're actually looking at one of the big guys, um, raspberry teas the other day, and it had um, literally over 30 grams of sugar serving, which is crazy. And it was a tea that I used to drink a lot as a high schooler. I'm sure your teeth are not happy with you for that. At that point, you're like, is it even really tea? Exactly, <laughs> right. yeah. Like why we, because we're starting off with such a high quality cold brew tea, there's no need to mask it with flavoring yeah. and, and sugar and make mm-hmm. it taste fake. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about cold brew coffee too, is it doesn't get the same bitterness too. So like, I'm usually a bit of a wimp, but the black coffee, the black cold brew is totally pleasant because it doesn't have as much of a like bitter bite to it. Yeah. I remember what my question was. It was, I'm enjoying the cocktail so much that is there anywhere to get uh, these recipes or like cocktail inspiration for the cold brew products? We, so we just launched a new website recently geared towards e-commerce, which is a big, you know, exciting launch for us. We're going to be adding those different recipes onto the site for both cocktails and mocktails amazing yeah i highly recommend that for summer because mm-hmm. these are just like hannah said perfect day drinking crushable delightful crushable delightful love it delightfully I'll... crushable <laughs> ah, there we go um okay well it's the time of our show now where we challenge our guests and friends to trivia let's and go oscar has helped write the trivia for the week and the theme is delivery and because have, yeah. you have a background so in food delivery. Oscar's been sitting here the whole time and did not tell me about trivia. Yeah, I we like to. to... I'm just kind of getting a gauge on you, and I wanted to test you. Yeah, <laughs> what did you I like really it. do in the delivery. Business? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we shall. See. I haven't seen the questions. Serena hasn't seen the questions, so you can absolutely phone a friend if you are miffed. So let's see. And Amanda Mayer, Amanda's seen the questions because she's going to be doing our. Sound yes, ding or yes. wrong buzzer. Oh my God, there's a sound. Yeah, no, oh, no pressure. Yeah. No worries. All right, question number one: Which of the two big name app food 
app-based food delivery services are actually owned by the same parent company. The options are Uber Eats, Seamless, Grubhub, Postmates, and Caviar. That's an easy one. Seamless and Grubhub. Correct. Yeah, nice. Let's get started here. All right, question number two. I order a lot of food. <laughs> you, were, you were just mentioning that you like looked at Grubhub when you were in Jacksonville, Florida. Exactly. So, yeah, you're ready for that. Uh, question number two. The history of delivered food can be traced back to the late 18th century. In what country could you order a bowl of nyangmung or cold noodle soup way back in 1768? This isn't multiple choice? No. Um, China? No, you're close, though. Japan? No. Korea? Correct. <laughs> correct. Wait, wait, wait. We're giving the, the correct sound on his third guess. Hey. Yeah, I mean, you gotta get that charm. buzzer in. <laughs> yeah, Amanda, don't be so nice. <laughs> All right. Question number three. In 1994, the first ever online pizza purchase was made on which restaurant's website? What's the year again? 1994. I'll never think it. Sparrow? No. Oh, Domino's? No. Papa John's? No. Pizza Hut. Pizza yes. Hut. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> There's one right near my house growing up. I can't believe I forgot that. I love Pizza Hut so much, especially when they close and they the buildings become something else, and you can still oh, tell it was a Pizza Hut. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> distinct look. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's like an auto loan office, and you're like, oh, that definitely. was a Pizza Hut. It's the, it's the place where I want to get an auto loan. <laughs> still smells a little bit like pizza. Oh. Hey, man, I mean, I really miss the pizza. We've also been having a lot of Pizza Hut trivia lately. We really have. We did some kale trivia. Here's a no, here's a <gasps> tangent question for you. Do you know? Well, I gave you the answer, but did you know that before like the big pizza. kale craze? <laughs> How did you know? Before the big kale craze, when everyone started eating it. Pizza Hut was like the number one purchaser of kale in the U.S. because they would use it to decorate their salad bars. No way. I yes never, way. I never put together that was kale. It was kale. That was before kale had a name. I yeah, like. take that goop. They were like, yeah. this is, it was garnish. This is far too tough and sour for anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> someone's like, should we massage it? Oh, it's yeah. great. Should we saute it? <laughs> Make it? Yeah. Kale chip? <laughs> put it on the pizza. Okay, question number four. Uber Eats is rumored to be eyeing 2021 as the year it will expand its delivery logistics to include what new technology? Drones? Yes! You're killing it. Wow. I was going to say self-driving cars. That's, that might, that's probably, that's probably going to happen sooner. Drones 2030. Sub-question here. And what is the primary concern with that coming out of cities? That people will jump up and grab food out of the sky? No. <laughs> it's the buzzing oh the buzzing oh yeah. a lot of people are studying like noise pollution more and more and how mm. what a detrimental effect noise pollution has on people and drones flying around everywhere would make that a lot worse and i guess we've come we've come so accustomed to the sound of like cars and ambulances we just don't care about that yeah that's, that's, mm -mm, it's not gonna they are very loud i was hoping you were gonna say smell-o-vision <laughs> Oh, I like Who that. Who even idea. needs it delivered when you can just smell it? Uber Eats, if you're listening. <laughs> That's that what HRN will really be smart. doing in 2030. We'll have <laughs> smell a radio. Smell a radio. Smell a cast. Smell o cast. Uh, okay, last question. We're going back in time again. In the 1960s, about 30% of milk in the U.S. was delivered by milkmen. People would either have insulated boxes on their stoops 
or in some instances, they would have a double-doored box built into the side of their house. What were those contraptions called? Ice boxes? No. Oh. Milkerators? Nope. Cubbies! Yes! Cubbies! <laughs> Nice. Right. Nice like that. Like that, that. Was kind of a cool, that was kind of an apropos question for you because it's about keeping the milk cold yeah. in all steps of the chain. I miss the old days of the milkman. Do you know there's there are some like new milkman companies too? Yeah. There's one called Manhattan Milk that will deliver you milk to your door. Because oh, that's like the one thing I never remember to do. To buy milk? Because I buy Ronnie Brook and so yeah. I, have, I have like 7,000 glass bottles on top of my fridge. I'm like, I'm going to take these to the grocery store. Yeah. So if someone would just come do it for me. You know what we could do? We could just take a trip to Ronnie Brook and you could take them all back by hand. Done and done. Who's down? We're all going after a couple more. Have uh, you ever had their chocolate milk? It's, <gasps> and their butter is so good. It's oh, awesome. yeah. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. Does it go well with cold brew? Yes. You guys should do a collab. There may or may not be a mocha coming out shortly. Oh, <gasps> uh, what? We won't say anything. Uh, what? Stays here. Okay, well, we're going to have to go because I have a feeling there's some um, extra bonus off-the-record treats we're going to get out of you, Doug. Definitely. We, we, we need some of the inside scoop. Uh, sorry, listeners. You'll have to just wonder. Um, <laughs> we can't give you everything. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Um, thanks for joining us for Coffee Talk. No one was better the first time. Just a coffee couple talk. coffee guys. <laughs> oh. It's coffee talk. There we go. Serena's the pro. Serena's got it down. Um, all right. Uh, this has been a really fun show. Thanks to Doug Kaplan for coming from Back Bay Roasters. Thank you to Serena Appel, who is his partner in coffee crime. Is that right? Yeah. That's the new, That's the official title. It's <laughs> the official title. Uh, thanks to our new team member, Oscar. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for those awesome questions. Keeping the flow going. Uh, thanks to our engineer, Amanda Wang. Woo! <laughs> she should be pressing the applause button for herself. And finally, thanks to Hannah Ford and our program manager and my co-host of the day. Thank you, Kat. I'm Kat Johnson. This has been HR and Happy Hour slash Coffee Talk. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the food world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.